You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. show is presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend and stayed indoors because it was just smoking all weekend, like heat index, like 110, something like that. Just ridiculously hot, even for those of us that have lived in the South our entire lives. Lars, I got to open. I know the AP poll is out, and you probably watched more NFL than anybody on the planet over the weekend. But there are some stories when you see a person's name in the headline, and I think this just broke like maybe an hour ago. But when I see anything about Carson Tinker, I light up. And you know him well because you interviewed him for the Storm and the Tide. But he has re-signed with his original team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know if you've read it or you're just now hearing it, Lars, that makes you feel good. That makes me feel good. That makes Tuscaloosa and Alabama feel good. Yeah. Um, Carson uh, played an integral role in the cover story I wrote on the Tuscaloosa tornado uh, that um, I believe it was the most widely sold uh, Sports Illustrated of 2011 other than the uh, swimsuit issue. And uh, I mean, Carson, uh, and, and I got to know him really well, and we talked uh, more times subsequently uh, for my book, The Storm and the Tide. And boy, he, he's just somebody worth rooting for. And uh, for those who don't remember, Carson was a long snapper for Alabama, and uh, the F4 tornado on April 27, 2011, just uh, hit his house point blank, uh, essentially like uh, atomized it. And um, his his girlfriend at the time, Ashley Harrison, was in his arms and was literally ripped from his arms, and she uh, sadly passed away. And uh, it was very obviously traumatic uh, for Carson and, and for the entire city and for the entire state. And um, you know that uh, that moment was just so. Uh, that moment lives on. That day when the tornado touched down at five thirteen p.m. And uh, I mean, Matt, I, I still can vividly recall uh, seeing the tornado pass by Birmingham, just north of Birmingham. It, it stayed on the ground for something like 300 miles. I believe it was the longest uh, on the longest tracking on the ground. Miles. It stayed on the ground. It was just yeah. ridiculous. And yeah, an F5 and um, yes, it was a horrific day. Yeah. But you but yes, uh, but, but yes, I'm, I'm yeah. Uh, Doesn't it kind of ring your bell, excuse me, but when Car- when you see Carson Tinker, good things happen to him. Doesn't that make you feel good? Oh, absolutely. And make, make he has had, he's had just a, an amazing NFL career. And uh, the, the fact that the, the Jags uh, signed him again. And, you know, he's one of those rare long snappers that I, he signed a pretty big second contract. And I think he even got to a third contract. And you got to remember, he was a walk-on at Alabama, and he was completely a self-made player. And uh, I talked to his high school coach in uh, Tennessee, and he just, uh, you know, told me a bunch of stories about how Carson, when he was, uh, I don't know, sophomore, junior in high school, 
like he just would be out on the practice field constantly practicing his long snapping and uh and you know he had the athleticism to uh, to to one be a great long snapper, but he's also a really good tackler. You know, the center is often the the, the first guy opposed as a, along with the gunners. The center is often the first guy that gets a chance to make the tackle on punts, and uh, and Carson uh, just excelled at that. Uh, obviously, illustrated by his uh, long NFL career. And uh, and also, I think he's he's just he's really respected in Jacksonville uh, because of the leadership qualities that he displayed throughout his tenure there. And um, it'd be great if he could uh, if he could if he could make the team and 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 stick stick around the NFL for one more season. How many uh, long snappers hang around for twelve now, going on thirteen years? That's Not many. Be some kind of record in his own right. But here's something else that I didn't realize until I just looked it up a minute ago. Uh, Carson Tinker has three national championship rings, 09, 11, and 12. Yeah, a lot of guys have two. But uh, I'm not really sure I could name a whole lot that have three. But anyway, that's where we started today because Carson Tinker kind of made my morning when I read that story. Now, uh, I guess one of the bigger stories is the Associated Press Top 25. Uh, It's not a whole lot different than the coaches poll, except that uh, I think Alabama's four in the AP and three in the coaches. Do I have that right, Lars? Yes. I think they flipped Ohio State and Alabama. Otherwise, it is exactly what it is, and that's a preseason poll. Georgia is everybody's number one. I think they received 60 of 63 first-place votes. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, Michigan got a couple, and Ohio mm-hmm. State got one or the other way around. Alabama got none from the Associated Press. Yeah, uh, interesting that LSU also getting a love from the writers. Uh, getting uh, slotted in there at five, USC six, Penn State seven, Florida State eight, and we'll have a lot to talk about Florida State uh, coming up. There, there, There's a big decision that will be made tomorrow by Florida State. Uh, nine, Clemson. And Clemson that is that team, Matt. I, nobody's talking about Clemson. Nobody's talking about Clemson. And I, I just would keep an eye on the Tigers because uh, their schedule and the fact that they're in the ACC and that their path to the uh, college football playoffs is, is a lot clearer than than other teams and then uh, 10 Washington 11 Texas Texas is getting a lot of respect and again that early season yeah Quinn yours he's he's spectacular well Sark is a heck of a coach too so yeah um, Tennessee 12 Notre Dame 13 Utah 14 Oregon 15 Kansas State 16 TCU 17 Oregon State uh, 18, Wisconsin 19, Oklahoma 20. So, uh, yeah, I mean, no no big surprises there. But uh, I do, as of today, right, uh, August 14th, I think there are clearly the four, the four best teams in the country on paper appear to be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. You really could put them in any order. Georgia needs to be on top because they're the two, yeah. two-time defending national champions. And, um, hey, Stetson Bennett, 
week one in the NFL preseason. Uh, he played a pretty solid game. I have a feeling Stetson Bennett is going to have about a 14-year NFL career. I really do. <laughs> you just want the guy on your team because I he's do. a winner. You wouldn't have said that four years ago. No, I would not have. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely to, would not have. To compare him to you. I know. <laughs> and that was uh, not fair. Not fair to, uh, to Stetson. Well, you know, Lars, if, if we're really going to go into this, uh, there weren't a whole lot of people figuring that he was going to win back-to-back national championships. But he did, and I hope he has a, a great NFL career. Uh, from what I little bit I saw, Bryce Young was running for his life in preseason. Did you see any of that? He yeah, I did. He got hit three times. Uh, he was four of six, 21 yards. A couple passes were bad, but that's because he was about to get put on his back. Yeah, uh, it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. But you know what? Every rookie quarterback struggles in their first preseason game. And, uh, in, in, I mean, also you look at somebody like Trey Lance uh, for the 49ers. He was absolutely lost out there. And remember how much the 49ers gave up to move up in the Mac draft Jones, to, to pick him. And they picked him over Mac Jones, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that could go down as really one of the worst trades in NFL history because of uh, the amount of draft capital capital that San Francisco gave up. But, hey, they saved themselves by getting Brock Purdy with the very last pick of the draft. And Brock Purdy uh, has turned in just to a stellar uh, quarterback. And we'll see if he can carry that over to year two, especially after the injury he sustained. But... Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's hard for rookie quarterbacks, and doesn't matter how talented you are. But but struggle for Bryce. Well, we can talk a little bit more about the NFL. And by the way, as we go to break, I'm just going to echo the sentiments that you just shared about Clemson. Um, you may have said that last week, but you know your buddies, your pals, and the people you talk college football. That is not uncommon right now. And even some of the national pundits are saying, better look out for Dabo. The Tigers may be real tough. But you noted something that everybody knows is true. They play in the ACC. I mean, what do you got? Miami and FSU? Maybe. You're listening to Big Known Sports, brought to you, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, muggy afternoon, a mix of sun and clouds, a few isolated storms through early tonight. The high today, 96, the low tonight, 75. The weather tomorrow, not as hot, partly sunny with only a small chance of a shower. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Is indeed big news sports. Matt Colt along with Lars. Hey Justin, uh, hit the mic real quick. How are you? Did you have a good weekend? Did you play some golf in, in this steamy sauna like weather? I did. Um, unfortunately, it's almost sweated wow. to death. But we uh, we drove to Grand National in Auburn, and I really I only mm. got to play a little bit because of my shoulder. But um, 
But it was fun. Oh, that's right. You separated your shoulder last week, and now you're playing golf already? Yeah, I'm not Dude, the... What a stallion. I'm not the smartest, but I, I have a passion. <laughs> I have a did drive. You, did you take out... Were you going full throttle with the big stick off the uh, tee? No, I was taking things pretty easily. Um, and surprisingly, I actually played well. up and I, I got about 12 holes in, and then I had to, had to stop. Um, hey, sometimes when you slow down because of injury, you actually play better. Yeah, I'll bet it's you crazy. stayed down on the ball. It's the, and I couldn't do it for the life of me if I tried to. So maybe I need to just hurt my shoulder more often. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but I don't know if y'all watched the FedEx yesterday at Memphis, but uh, that was it's a cool tournament to begin with, but they got to let these guys wear shorts, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Let's move along. Uh, Alabama scrimmage over the weekend. I know we've got lots of notes. Uh, I've got one here on quarterbacks. But I'm really more interested in, I wonder how the broadcast went. <laughs> Did you, do you think about Eli and Tyler in the booth? I just, I'd like to hear a snippet of that. Maybe they'll release it. I don't know. But Saban got in front of the media, and he immediately addressed the quarterback situation. And he said, they all got reps. Uh, we're going to go look at the film. We'll see who made mistakes, who made the right reads. Uh, let's look at the film. Um, and that's the answer I'm going to give you if anybody else wants to ask another question about quarterbacks. And guess what? Nobody did. Well, that's because they knew that it was a fruitless endeavor. But, um, you know, just from the people who attended that I've talked to, it's, it's pretty clear, and this is hardly breaking news, that the, the quarterback race is now down to two. And that is uh, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. I think those two, uh, according to everyone I've uh, spoken with, uh, have really separated themselves from Tyler Buckner. And so uh, that's not surprising. Uh, I know that uh, Jalen Milrow uh, uh, played with the, the first team or started with the first team. And uh, the scrimmage was one versus twos, and and, and Ty Simpson uh, ran with the twos, and I I I, I do just uh, I think right now it's like I said it's a two man race, and I, I'm still sticking sticking with Simpson, but the more I talk to people, the more that uh, there's a lean toward Mill Row. And really? I, yes, yes. And you've got some inside scoop. I mean, you yeah. got on the chalk there at Brian Denny Stadium. Yes, uh, he, I, he's just he's he's shown a lot of improvement, and he's just so dynamic. He might be the best athlete out on out on the field every time he steps onto the field, and with Alab and with Alabama, I think shifting to more of a run based offense. I mean, not not completely getting rid of you know what has made them successful the last few years but but i think going more to a, a ball control offense you, you want a quarterback who can almost act like your or act like another running back and simpson or excuse me uh mill is uh arguably like the the best runner on the team and that's he saying something yeah yeah he, he is just he, he is special i think that uh I think, and I want to bounce this off you, and as much as we talked about quarterbacks, I'm not sure we've really gone into detail on this particular part of it. You know that Nick Saban is loyal, and maybe, you know, in the case of the Tua deal, maybe loyal to a fault. But 
do you think there's a certain sense of loyalty because Jalen has been there, he's gotten a start, he's played, you know, he's kind of paid his dues. Does that weigh in? I think that weighs into the factor on who's going to play against Middle Tennessee State. I think he'll take the first snap no matter who's ahead. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think all things being equal right now that Milrow will take the first snap of the first game. And he's, you know, he's easily the just the most athletic and strongest quarterback that they have. And uh, he can make big plays. We saw that last year against Arkansas and Texas A&M. And, um, but I, I do, I think eventually it's going to be Simpson. Now, the, the crucial question is who will start against Texas in game two. And I'm leaning toward that both of the guys will play. That's uh, I, it, because they're, they're so different in the skill set that they bring to the position. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, Simpson, his one issue from what I gather is, uh, is, is uh, taking care of the ball and not, uh, not trying to be heroic on every throw and, uh, you know, take the check down if the, if the first, second read isn't there. Um, and uh, Milrow is still, you know, again, from what I hear, is a work in progress in the, in the passing game, development. He's developing. Uh, he has a huge arm, no doubt about that. Uh, we've seen that. But um, I, I'm thinking that there'll, against Texas, there will be two quarterbacks who play. I, I, and, and like I said, Matt, that, that from what I have been told, it's, uh, it's really now a, a two-man race. Justin, you have uh, you, you have boots on the ground there in, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, is that what you're hearing as well? Uh, I'm, I'm hearing essentially the same thing, yes, that Jalen Milrow is kind of a two-man race, broke down, uh, ta- doing on the Gary, talking on the Gary Harris show this morning, um, like a two-man. It's Jalen Milrow, it's Ty Simpson, and that loyalty factor with Coach Saban is kind of keeping Milrow ahead at the moment. And who do you think eventually will emerge? If you had to pick right now, who do you think it will be? Um, I'm, p- I'm picking Jalen Milrow. I think... I definitely think he's going to take the first snap, like you said, against Middle Tennessee. I could see both of them playing against Texas. Um, it, it might complicate things, but I don't know. I, I could see Milrow kind of developing in into that game. Once the game starts, start getting that passing down and, and becoming a more of a dual threat type quarterback. Why do you guys think that Tyler Buckner has suddenly fallen into the third chair? Lars, you, you give me an answer here. Uh, well, that he uh, was a third quarterback, uh, sort of to get out there uh, on, uh, during the scrimmage on Saturday, and also just um, based on what people who are in the know are saying. <laughs> I mean, I obviously I haven't laid eyes on any of them. Uh, nobody really has, other than when it was open to the public and open to the media um, uh, a week ago. But yeah, it's just uh, the the general consensus of uh, everything I'm hearing, and uh, I, you know, he's a transfer. Uh, I, his arm isn't that big. 
and 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 the thing is, this isn't Tommy Reese's offense. This is Nick Saban's offense. He's Nick Saban is uh, you know the author and ultimate arbiter of, of what they're going to do and what they're not going to do, and um, and so it's it's not like he came in with a upper hand because of uh, familiarity with the offense. And in in fact, it's sort of the opposite that he's learning a whole new offense. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's just what I'm hearing. And, uh, well, and to, to your point, Matt, I've also heard that he had a great last week. So maybe we, maybe he does still have a chance and me and Lars just aren't crediting him enough. It's such a wild situation. And, you know, you could say today that Milro has the lead. Tomorrow it might come up Simpson, but... I've maintained all along that with his knowledge of the offense, and you're right, Lars, it, it, it is Tommy Reese. It's his offense under the tutelage of Nick Saban. I think that's a pretty accurate way to put it. Yeah. But it's always seemed weird that why would he transfer? Why would he come down there if he wasn't going to? And he's being given a legitimate shot. But um, to be third at this point is a little surprising to me. But then I'll stop and jam it in reverse and say, well, uh, Jalen's had more snaps, has more experience, and Simpson's second in that regard. And Simpson may be better fit uh, to be able to just kind of manage the game. But then again, okay, here I am. I'm going to touch all three bases in one statement. Uh, Can you imagine Milrow on an RPO? How about I that know. offense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Would, would that not keep, God, I mean, that would keep everybody uh, on on edge, literally. So uh, that could happen, but later this week, uh, we may be talking about one of the freshmen. Uh, probably not. Probably not. But uh, All right, everybody vote right now. If the game was tomorrow, who's taking the first snap? Justin? I'm going with Milrow. Lars? I'm going with Milrow. And also, you got to look at Notre Dame's situation at quarterback. Why would Tyler Buckner transfer? Well, guess what? Notre Dame got Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, and he was essentially handed the starting job the second he's uh, enrolled in school. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm betting that it's, uh, I, I'm betting that it's a uh, Milrow uh, will take the first snap, but who gets the majority of the snaps against Texas? Gosh, now I'm actually leaning Milrow. But I think the long-term starter is going to be Simpson. Boy, they, can, that, can I have fudged that anymore, right? <laughs> so it's like I just got on a merry-go-round and went from Buckner to Simpson to Milrow. So uh, who knows? Um, hey, our guest lineup's a pretty good one, as always. Uh, in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by one and only Mick, the Mixter, Mick Gillespie. And in the second hour, one of our favorites. They're both our favorites. Uh, ABC 3340 Sports Director Jeff Spiegel. That's all coming up on Big Noon Sports. Hang around. Turn your home. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Thank you, Mr. Milkman. Lars, Matt, Justin, Mick will be with us in just a second. Lars, were there any other... You're the NFL guy, okay? I'll be the MLB guy. You can be the NFL guy. By the way... Braves just stomped the poop out of uh, the number two (laughs) out of uh, the Mets this weekend, although the Mets did salvage one win last night. They they won the first game of doubleheader on Saturday, 21 to 4, Lars. That's not men's (laughs) softball. That's Major League Baseball in New York. But uh, any other observations? I know that there were several outstanding plays including Eli Ricks made by former Alabama players but do you have any other observations before we get to Mick yeah no on Eli Ricks how in the world did he go undrafted uh he it's the same thing so, I thought. he's got so much natural talent and uh, there's a reason he was a five star um yeah the, the rookie quarterbacks all look like rookie quarterbacks CJ Stroud really struggled with the Texans Anthony Richardson uh, the Colts uh, look terrible. They look terrible. Uh, Bryce Young. Uh, Bryce, Bryce, yeah, I know. But, hey, he, he, <laughs> he does really good at the combine. Uh, and he can jump a long ways. Uh, <laughs> Bryce Young Bryce Young will be just fine. Bryce Young's going to be fine. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, and, and I thought Jordan Love against uh, my Cincinnati Bengals. Jordan Love looked really good. Uh, four of six uh, led four of six passing led the Packers on a on a touchdown drive. Um, nearly hit a, a really long pass, and he was just making all the right reads. And he just looked natural out there. I mean, the, it, it's it's going to be tough because the expectations, right? Like uh, if. The, if he doesn't perform like Aaron Rodgers, will he be criticized? I, I, I don't think so, but um, he is going to be a good player. And he's also got more mobility than Rodgers, so they can do sort of, a, you know, quarterback rollouts. They can move him around, uh, and they have a, a really good pair of running backs, a strong offensive line. I, I think that he's really in a position to succeed. And uh, there are sometimes when you see a player and you just recognize, especially the quarterback position, like, oh, he gets it. He gets it. And Jordan Love is there. Jordan Love 
it, my prediction is that he will be the Packers' starting quarterback for the next decade, barring injury. I mean, I, I just think yeah. he's he's really he's he's going to be a good good player. You're a Packers fan. What what are your? I mean, I don't know if you got to see him play, but um, you know, do, do Packers fans in general uh, embrace Jordan Love? I think or? they do now. I think now that you know they just said, let's get. All right, rid of Rodgers. That's over. Let's bring in the new guy. And if you follow the Packers since Lombardi, that's the way they handle their quarterbacks. Let's talk to Mick Gillespie about that and a lot more as we continue on Big Noon Sports. Mick, are you on the water or are you in the mountains? Yeah, what's up, guys? I'm in the mountains. So uh, I just got back, though. Early trip today. Oh, okay. Well, uh, all right, let's start with Alabama's practices. Uh, what are you hearing? What are your sources saying uh, about what else but quarterback? We have to lead with it. Well, right now, I mean, I think they're still trying to figure out that exact question. You know, Nick Saban talked about being able to go back and watch the film and decide from that, you know, who's making the reads and who's making the plays and, and, and who's – so, I mean, I, we just sit back and wait, which is what – he's always going to do and then you know Jalen Milrow though from what I heard has been pretty good here early so we got a long way to go in this in this quarterback uh, battle and it is a battle I mean we don't know who's going to be the next quarterback but I think we've underestimated Milrow and the fact that look the guy was the backup quarterback last year so for him not to get the job then he's going to have to be clearly beaten and if he's able to complete passes with what he can do with his legs, um, you know, I think if it was like, a, just say, like across the board and even battle, he, he gets the job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mick, from what I'm hearing, too, is that the, the offensive line, uh, really on both uh, the offensive line and defensive line uh, are, are going to be strengths this year. But sticking with the offensive line, do you think that, uh, or at least from what you are gathering from people you've talked to, that the offensive philosophy is going to switch a little bit this year and it's going to be more sort of ground and pound as opposed to, you know, spread them, spread them out four wide and, and sling the ball all over the field? Yeah, look, that's what I've I've heard too. That they're going to do try to do a little bit of both, but that they want to rely on the ground game more. And you know that that Coach Saban and uh, you know in the in the offensive line coaches, Coach Will they they feel like that this group, the top, you know, the the starting guys have been pretty good. They're trying to develop more depth. And I think that's motivation for the guys that aren't starting right now to continue to, to, to play like they are going to get an opportunity, you know. So it's good. I, I really feel like what they want to do is go out there and uh, and be able to, when they want to, pound the football. And, and with the new clock rules, it, it may benefit you to do that because they want these games to go faster. And you guys know the run game makes that happen. So being able to control the football and and use the run game could definitely play to your advantage. And then look at what Georgia's done with basically playing uh, Alabama football, went back-to-back championships, and they've been run first, throw second. Mick, if I could just follow up real quick, um, do you think Jalen Milrow has a little bit 
of Jalen Hurts in him, and that's a that's a, that's tough to make this comparison because Jalen Hurts was just in the Super Bowl. As of today, he is the highest paid player in the NFL. But do you do you see the offense being a little? If, if Jalen is the quarterback, uh, Jalen Milrow, do you see it going back to kind of what the offense was like under Jalen Hurts? Well, it could be. You know, the one thing that Jalen Hurts had from the very start was confidence. And if he wasn't confident, he sure did look confident, you know, from when, the time he came in in that USC game uh, for, you know, and then obviously the Ole Miss comeback, which was amazing that freshman year. And then the rest of the time there, I mean, he just, he seemed like he was made for that starting quarterback job with his ability to lead and to, to seem confident. And I thought last year, that uh, Jalen Milrow struggled in that department in that Arkansas game. You know, when things started coming off the rails, he, you know, Alabama crawled to the finish line, you know. So that's got to change. But with, with experience and, and um, you know, more practice, and, and if you win this quarterback battle, you maybe you gain that. Um, he, there's a, there are differences to me. Um, Hurts built more like uh like a fullback you know as a quarterback you know he's really thick he never really seemed to get hurt uh milro is faster obviously and i i feel like he's a better threat but at the same time something that hurts never did was turn the football over and this guy's you know known for turning the football over so that's got to change as well so look if he can learn how to hold on to the football and get some more confidence then he could be the next jalen hurts be interesting to see how that unfolds. Who's farther along after a couple of years, uh, Hurts at Alabama or Milro? Well, I guess that's a pretty easy question. It's easy. Hurts, it's Hurts was. It's I mean, Hurts right. came in at the very beginning and he was good. He's the <laughs> one that uh, relieved the two guys in front of him against USC, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And then from that point on, it was his job and, and never looked back on Huge play in that game by one Marlon Humphrey, but we'll get to that later. All right, um, running back. Here's what I want to ask you here, Mick. Uh, you got McClellan and you got Roy Dale Williams. Something tells me after what I saw in the spring and some of the other things, they will certainly be one and two. But I think Justice Haynes is going to break through about three or four games into the season and turn into a Sean Alexander. Yeah, and I feel the same way too. I mean, it, when when Coach Saban talked about him after the eight eight game, that gave gave you an indicator that he's that that coach is really comfortable with what he brings to the table. I mean, you're talking about you know a football pedigree and a guy who fits into what Alabama wants to do. And the thing that Alabama has proven with, with Nick Saban is it doesn't matter what year you are in school anymore. I mean, remember when Coach Bryant was there, I mean, you, you lost a game for every freshman that played. At least that's what the saying was. You know, now it's, look, if a guy can come in and help you as a freshman, it's going to be better for your recruiting anyway. Plus, you're, you're going to have them for a couple of seasons if they don't transfer. So I, I'm thinking that you're exactly right there. I can't wait to see what this guy does. And you know, I, I'm hoping that he's a Trent Richardson type of guy where he, he blends speed and power and, uh, you know, and elusiveness. And, uh, and Trent was always one of my favorite Alabama running backs. So, yeah, we'll see. But that's kind of what my thoughts are, too. 
Mick, on the other side of the ball, uh, on defense, uh, what are you hearing? Uh, what uh, I have gathered is that uh, Coach Saban loves his defensive backs, and I think he really he likes his entire defense, and it's potentially uh, could be you know one of his best, which is saying a lot. I love the Kevin Steele here. I, I just do, you know, and that's, that's you know, not a shot at, um, you know, Pete Golding, but I, I just felt like Alabama needed to get back to being Alabama on defense, and you could feel the slide happening. Um, and, and with Kevin Steele back, I mean, it, it, this is a guy who's been there, gone, been there, gone, but, you know, was there from the beginning. And uh, I, I just think he just brings the kind of mentality that Alabama needs. And then Dallas Turner up front, I mean, that, there's just something about this guy. You see him talk. You know the way he plays on the field. He's motivated. He's motivated that defense to get back to Alabama football. Uh, I think that Alabama underachieved last year. I thought they should have been in the playoff, and they weren't. They lost two games that against teams that they were better than. And you know, the combination of losing those two kept them out. I think they would beat Georgia if they'd have played them last year. I don't know if they'd have won the national championship, but I think they would have beat Georgia and they didn't get that chance. And so he's the guy to me that's saying to everybody else, here's what our standard is. And then when you talk about the, the secondary, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry is, I think it's going to be one of these guys that plays at Alabama this year. And then we're going to see him in the NFL like a Marlon Humphrey, where he's just a star in the NFL, like Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, who's been so great as well. I, I, he's just, he fits that mold to me. He's a lockdown corner. I mean, he just does everything that you want. And, um, you know, he's going to make them throw it to the other side of the field. But Alabama went up, then went out and stacked up in that position. And I, I get that same feeling. I mean, I, Coach Saban looks pretty comfortable with what this team's doing right now. You can tell that by the way that he's talking in the press conferences. He's pretty comfortable. And I think that, like you said, that it's because he knows if, if, if they play in a conservative style of offense, it's going to be all right because the defense is going to keep them in the game. Keep them in the game. Well, that sounds like we're uh, dialing back 10 years, doesn't it? That's all right, though. Well, I, I mean, I'm, we are. Yeah. And you know what? I have a really interesting observation that I came up with over the weekend. I want to share it with you guys. I don't, it doesn't make me, you know, Phi Beta Kappa of the football world, but I want to throw it at y'all after this break on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, muggy afternoon, a mix of sun and clouds, a few isolated storms through early tonight. The high today, 96, the low tonight, 75. The weather tomorrow, not as hot, partly sunny with only a small chance of a shower. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansi, Union Home Mortgage. Mick Gillespie is our guest. Lars, Justin, myself, Matt, all on the air today. I don't think that uh, I'm breaking down any huge walls when I make this statement, but it just kind of came to me it's it's so simple but 
and Mick, I want you to react to this because, you know, Nick Saban will stay ahead of the curve. You know, when he saw a need for change, he made change. And I, I believe that they, and we both, we all believe that Alabama is going to go back between the tackles. They're going to run more like 65, 35, something like that as opposed. The rest of the college football world is doing what, though? They're slinging it. They're throwing around. Everybody is pass happy. So what happens when Alabama starts running the football and trying to cram it down people's throats? Well, first of all, the defenses that they are facing, they're not practicing against that. The physicality up front is going to be all on Alabama now. So in in a way, I think Saban's getting ahead of the curve again because he's going to go back to the basics while everybody else is throwing it to the moon. Does that make any sense to you, Mick? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's exactly what's what's happening. And and, and honestly, um, it's what Georgia did. You know, it's it's what Georgia did when we got away from it. They stuck to it, and they've won back-to-back national championships. Look, I know last year they didn't play a very tough schedule, but they still got there and won it, and they won it running the football. They, they threw the ball enough. But, but they ran the ball and they beat you up physically. And that's kind of what Kirby learned when he was a coordinator under Nick Saban in Alabama. And, uh, and honestly, it still works. You know, and it, when we switched up, you know, the way that football was going, you know, the rules really were slanted towards the offense. And, you know, and, and, and you felt like you needed to win shootouts. But I think that this, this new clock rule is going to shorten the games that's what they wanted to do and i think it would benefit a team to be able to run the ball and control the clock and burn the clock um because you're going to be able to get to the finish line faster uh mick let's uh, just look around the country here at uh, the, the world of college football uh lsu they are ranked fifth in both the coaches poll and in the ap poll which just came out do you think that is right too high too low just your thoughts on lsu heading into the 2023 season and look if i was picking um who's going to win the sec west it would have came down to alabama and lsu so i, I think that's a pretty good spot for them to be in. They they won the West last year. They beat Alabama last year, and um, they got a great coach. You know, they they won championships after Nick Saban with two guys who uh, I, I don't want to say clowns, but you know, nothing compared to what they have now with Brian Kelly. Uh, you know, especially Ed Orgeron. I mean, come on. And, and now they have a guy who um, who's got his ducks in a row. And, uh, and you saw it with what he was able to do the first year in, you know, so they have a quarterback with experience. They have one of the best defensive players in the country. This is a team that's got confidence. And at the end of last season, they were hitting on, on all cylinders. It's going to be a battle when they come to town and play Alabama. And, uh, honestly, the, the, it could come down to that football game. I mean, who knows, but I, I, I really feel like there's, uh, there's two teams that are above the rest in the West, and there's a lot of other teams that could get in that mix, including Texas A&M. But if I'm handicapping, I'm saying it's 1A and 1B with Alabama and LSU. I think it's really close. As far as other contenders in the West, and you guys know that I'm, I'm a homer. I'm a little piggy. But with K.J. Jefferson coming back and, and Pittman and his success there, 
Mick, are they getting... I don't think they're getting enough attention, but that may be because I was born in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, look, I, they could be good. The problem that they have is that you get deep in the season and they don't have the depth in the SEC every year to, to, to contend for a trip to Atlanta. The team to keep an eye on is Texas A&M. I just think with Bobby Petrino running their offense, they were underachievers last year, but they had talent. They've spent so much money in the NIL. They've got a lot of really good football players. And and Bobby Petrino has something to prove. He's a look, the guy's not a head coach because he's not a good head coach or a great head coach. He's a, he's where he is because of some off the field stuff. But um it, he's this is a dangerous team. And they're a team that I, I'm looking at because if it doesn't work out this year, I'm guessing that Texas A and M will make wholesale changes, uh, you know, including the head coach, even with that big contract. So I think they feel like their backs up against the wall. And then Arkansas and Ole Miss, to me, are two teams that are kind of in the same spot. You know, could one of them come up and and, and surprise everyone? Yeah, I mean, they have talent. They've got great coaching. Um, but that's what makes the SEC West so good, you know. And then I'm curious to see what Auburn does, you know, with with Coach Freeze. I I don't remember the West looking this tough. And it's, there's been some really good years. Uh, Mick, the uh, deadline for Florida State to tell the ACC that uh, they plan to leave the conference uh, within a, within the next year is tomorrow. Um, do you think the Seminoles will do that? And uh, do you think Florida State ultimately ends up in the SEC, the Big Ten? Just uh, your assessment of what is going on with Florida State, because it, it certainly appears that the, the Florida State will be the next domino to fall in conference realignment. Well, if I'm the SEC and it looks like they're really going to leave the ACC, you can't let them go to the Big Ten. you got to take them. I mean, you're talking about a potential power. And I was talking about them with a buddy of mine the other day, uh, you know, who's, who's younger than we are. And I said, look, there was a time when Florida State was Alabama. I mean, you know, where they were in the top three or four every season contending for national championships. And if we had the system that we have now or that we're going to have next year, there's no telling how many more titles they might have won. I mean, you know, they, they were right on the cusp a bunch. Uh, and, and they have a huge fan base. They've got a great stadium. They've got money. So I, they would be a, honestly, they're, they're an SEC team. I mean, they're just ready to join the, the conference, but, um, they've been keeping it close to the vest. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm really curious myself to see how this thing falls. I, you know, it's not like I have any kind of insider information, but if the Big Ten got them, it would be such a coup because all of a sudden now they're in the SEC footprint with a team that is on caliber with SEC programs. I'm not saying lately their football team's been there win-loss-wise, but I just mean stadium, fan base, uh, geography. All of that stuff with Florida State would fit perfectly with what we do in the SEC. I'd love to see them. Mick, who would uh... – I don't guess you have to take two teams, but just, I mean, mathematically, it seems to make sense. If uh, Florida State is your one, who is your 1A? Yeah, who would you bring in with them? That's a great question. I mean, 
you know, I, you could say Clemson because of their success recently, but I mean, it doesn't really uh, grow your your TV market. You know, maybe you, maybe you go with Virginia or Virginia Tech, one of those two. Virginia Tech would be another SEC fit. It's in Blacksburg, Virginia. But when you go through um, the state, they're more popular than Virginia. I mean, people absolutely love that program all the way from D.C. down. Um, and they've got the big stadium and they've got a great fan base. That would be a good fit to me, and then it, it brings you that TV market that you want. Um, you know, selfishly, I've always liked North Carolina. I, I just do. I mean, you know, nothing like basketball with the Tar Heels. Um, I, obviously, their football facilities, you know, aren't on par with what we see in the SEC. But that could, you know, obviously, if they put more emphasis on football, that could change. I love the uniforms too. I know that has nothing to do with any of this. But yes, you're talking about a national fan base, and um, and I would love to see them. So I guess if you, you said, hey, what would, my preference would be North Carolina, but I could see Virginia Tech if you could only take two. Mick, after the Big Ten added um, Oregon and Washington, I really expected a counterpunch, so to speak, from Greg Sankey. But uh, Commissioner Sankey of the, the SEC commissioner he uh, has come out and said, "Hey, we're we're standing pat. We're good." Are are you surprised that uh, that uh, Commissioner Sankey is uh, taking this position right now? Well, a lot of times you you see that too, and um, you know when they you know the front offices come out and say, "Hey, you know what? We love our manager." You know, or the, you know, the athletic director says, "Hey, he's our head coach," and then like a week oh, later, yeah, the five, dreaded vote you know? of confidence. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think that when. When you're pl- when you're kind of playing this game, you know part of being able to negotiate at this level is that you you, you don't want to show your hand, you know. And and I, I was talking about this um, during the trade deadline, you know, when you know t- the Cubs came out and said, "Oh, we're not going to trade," you know, or it came out that they're not going to trade Cody Bellinger. And I'm like, "Well, I mean, even if you're not going to, I mean, you don't want to." play your you don't want to play your hand out now you want to wait until afterwards and then everybody sees it because maybe somebody makes a trade that they didn't have to make and it messes up their team down the road right and i think it's kind of the same thing here where sankey's been excellent i mean he's come in and and made the right calls and i and i but i'm sure that behind the scenes they're paying very close attention because you can't let florida state go to the big 10 so i mean at the end of the day you know, you may be put in a spot where you go. You know what? This is we need. We need to make this move here, uh, even if it's just to kind of keep your your biggest competition from being able to get into your mark. It may not be the case, but I think if uh, Florida State ended up going to the Big Ten with the money that they have in their TV contract, uh, I I think nationally the opinion would be that the Big Ten has surpassed the SEC. Although that may not be true. That's Matt's little spat. All right, tell everybody where they can listen to you this fall. Hey guys, yeah, the uh, the the Bama football tailgate show is coming on. We're going to be on in a bunch of new markets and uh, also you know locally. So check that out. And I also wanted to say this to you guys for a second. Um, condolences to my longtime buddy Bull Corey down in Oakman. When I was at Alabama, we we put together the Willie Nelson concert down there, and, and uh, it just breaks my heart. We lost him on Saturday. And he's like a larger-than-life personality, was the mayor of Oakland. 
uh, for a while, but um, we're going to miss them. And I know there's people listening right now that probably don't haven't heard yet, but um, you know, uh, just Godspeed, my friend. I think I saw that on Facebook yesterday. Yeah, that, yeah. well put, Mick. Yes, uh, I appreciate you you're wrapping it up like that. All right, uh, Mick, have a great afternoon. How about them Braves, huh? Twenty one yeah, to four. Time. Oh, I know, roll tide, guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, go Cubs. No, not really. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, go Cubs and take the Bears with you. All right. Uh, we will be back with more of Big Noon Sports on the other side of the hour, uh, including uh, one of our big – well, we got so many good guys that we put on this show with y'all. But uh, we will be talking with Jeff Spiegel, ABC 3340, when we get back on the other side, you're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union on board. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the Bamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at the Bamabroker.com. A Town Square Media Station. WTUG HD2 Northport. W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Back on the show, Max Coulter, Lars Anderson, Justin Jones. Yeah, it's pretty steamy. Yesterday it was like 113 heat index. And oh, we talk about it. We can't do anything about it. But good grief. Um. I used to get out in this stuff, not didn't like it a lot, but I don't even go outside. I'm just a big putty. <laughs> it is so hot that I don't think I can walk my dog today. And I actually, I just texted you and Justin a picture of what's going on on in my front yard. Yeah, they're they're like laying they're laying new power uh, cables like underneath uh, in my neighborhood, and uh, there's probably about. 
I don't know, a thousand pounds of machinery in my front yards, two big ditch witches, which I'd never even heard of before. But I was uh, talking to some of the workers earlier and right before a show, I actually went out there and brought them all Gatorade. Uh, and hey, big, big props to everyone who works outside for a living and uh, in, is out there in this uh I've described it in writing as a tar-bubbling heat. This is hot. It doesn't get much hotter than this in Alabama. I, it seems like I say that every August. Like There's a few days where it is just so uh, immensely hot that you, just, you don't even want to go outside. But, uh, um, yeah, so there's, uh, again, I, I, I've been thinking about, you know, construction workers and, and just uh, other people that uh, are out there, you know, uh, just working hard in this heat and just uh, stay hydrated. Uh, I remember when Absolutely. I was much, much younger and, and did, uh, did different jobs outside. And um, man, I, I'd never worked in heat like this, though. Um. Justin, how about you? Have you, Justin? If this you, this is oh, as sorry. bad as we've had in ten or fifteen years, I would think. Justin lives up in. You're you're from like the Jasper area, is that right? So I mean, you're, the heat and humidity is there. It's um, cr- critical. Well, too, so. my my family's up from there. I I grew up in Alaska, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I've adapted since then. It's been a while since I lived up there, but I wish I was there now. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Alaska. Did you you fish for salmon every day and play with bears? As often as we could. We were spoiled with salmon, Uh, dip netting, all sorts of fishing up there. Uh, We avoided the bears, but surprisingly, you avoid the moose more than the bears because a mama moose is more dangerous than a grizzly. I'll tell you what. Well, okay, so a moose will charge you, correct? Oh, yeah, uh, they'll chase you down. Oh, yeah. Have you ever have you ever come face to and what okay have you ever come face to face with a, a moose and then if they do come at you what are you supposed to do? Um, I I have uh, I remember we we would go biking a lot as a family they um, on the military base up there they had lots of nice trails like paved sidewalks trails but they went through the woods and um, we come up to a corner and there's a lady that is zoom in past us going the other direction and she says you guys need to turn around right now and we're like um, we'll just see we'll go up ahead she didn't really tell us why and we get up there and there is a moose and a a little i guess they're fawns a little baby moose um we were not charged but we were too close for comfort and if they do charge you i think they just tell you to like get behind a tree or something i don't know wow <laughs> yeah uh, pray we I've heard that. Mo- I've heard, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, let's do that. Uh, you can dial us at 205-342-9904. Pat from Tuscaloosa is on. Pat, have you ever been approached by a moose? Uh, no, I have not. And actually, but, uh, my son and uh, grandchildren and, grand- and daughter-in-law are in Sydney, Nova Scotia now. And uh, but they, uh, I don't think they, they've got some. Maybe they got a few there. But it's not near the kind of population that you've got up closer to Alaska and British Columbia. And they, but I do know this, that the moose, I, I've seen, heard read, read stories about a moose actually uh, whipping a grizzly bear. Wow. <laughs> um, 
mean, they're humongous animals. Well, over 2,000 pounds, that old end. Now, uh, I know a guy over in uh, Greenwood, Mississippi, that uh, there was a room, a 14-foot room, and the moose horns went nearly from one side of it to the other, just the horns. Wow. Well, I had to ask. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you didn't call to talk about wildlife in Alaska or Nova Scotia. What's on your no, mind? No, no. I called to talk about the quarterback situation and you guys not mentioning anything about uh, – I've been, I've been talking to everybody this morning that will listen. Hey, I think he needs to be called Matt Dillon off a of gun smoke. Hey, it was fast, fast on the trigger. James Ornest was a big man. Didn't take any crap off of anybody. And that appears to be my quarterback from Georgia. That other, hey, I, I, ever since the spring game, I've been on him, and nobody else has. Everybody says, doesn't have a chance. He's a freshman. That other. But he has done nothing but get better and better. And cream is rising to the top. That uh, and I, and I think that Marshall Dillon is a good handle for him. That, that's a great moniker, and that Pat put it on. Yeah, I'm laughing about it, but hey, but no, no, you're you're spot on. I've heard nothing but uh, praise and. Uh, about Dylan Lonergan, who, um, yes, graduated from high school in Georgia. And he certainly looks the part of a big-time NFL quarterback. Now, that's a great question. That's a great question, though. Yeah. Would would Nick Saban Saban turn to him? I mean, you'd have to consider the consequences of that, right? Uh, with the transfer yeah, portal. But, but, but then again, you got to also understand, hey, what's coming in next year? From everything that I'm hearing, hey, uh, Julian is the chosen one. Yeah, he's the real deal. So I'm hearing, uh, but that don't, that don't mean, I mean, hey, Ty Simpson supposed to be <laughs> pretty darn good when we got him, too. You know, so, I mean, what? what's the answer to this? All I know is, is that I really think that Nick Saban put a water pan in that oven with that cake. You know, when you put the when you put the water pan in the oven with a cake, it keeps it moist, but it keeps it from burning, and it keeps it cooking longer. So it gets done. So so how long is, how long is this oven, or how, what setting does Nick have this oven on is what I want to know. What do y'all think? That's a great question. Um, We'll see how that plays out. And I I agree with you. It's not getting enough attention just how well Dylan Lonergan has been playing. Again, according to the the people that I've talked to that have actually laid eyes on him. And uh, and you're right. the, The poise, the huge arm, uh the uh um just uh the comportment how he carries himself how even as a uh freshman that uh, he's won over the locker room or in the process of winning over the locker room 
and um, he, he'll. We will hear much more from Dylan Lonergan in the next uh, twenty-four months. I, I just don't know if it's going to be this yeah. year. Exactly. But what I'm what I'm what I am hearing is that his ball is extremely catchable. And that uh, so that makes a big, big difference. And so and whether or not when you go back to the uh, spring game and and you look at him about when he drove that ball down for the touchdown, that I mean he was in total command of it. He looked like a field general. He looked he looked exactly like oh uh, my Bears quarterback Jim McMahon. McMahon was a he didn't have the height. That the others had in that in that particular class back in what was it around '83, uh, where all of the superstars came out. Hey, but yet McMahon took them to the Super Bowl, you know. And uh, uh, what a so, great character for the National Football League too. Um, but uh, McMahon was the quarterback, and he uh, he was the field general, but. That defense won them <laughs> a Super Bowl. Hey, Pat, thanks for your call. Let's move along on Big Noon Sports. Let's pick up Ellis. Ellis, what's on your mind today? Uh, you doing all right today, y'all? Just great. Uh, Matt, there's one thing I want to tell you before I say something. They are, you and uh, Gary Harris is always trying to figure out what's wrong with Chase Elliott. Yeah. Uh, I know what's wrong with it. Well, he did okay. He finished second yesterday, but please clue me in on what's wrong with that number nine Chevrolet. Uh, she's got two legs and she's gorgeous. Oh, uh, well. His, his girlfriend. Well, you know, most NASCAR drivers do have gorgeous wives, but I have not seen her yet. But you really think that's taken away from what's going on inside the car? It could be. You can look at the. You can look her up after after I hang up. Oh, uh, okay. Give me something to do I, after the I show. Just don't, I just don't think it was from that uh, snowboarding accident he had. I, I don't think it's that. Well, I'm a big you know, time Bill Elliott fan. Oh, God. Uh, you remember him in the 80s? I know Lars does, too, but good grief. He blew yes, his away, especially in Michigan and Daytona and Talladega. That was some fun stuff coming out of Dawsonville, Georgia. The Coors car, the number nine Coors car. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what was his dang engine building? His brother, was it Dan? Ellen? Yeah. Yes, sir. They still hadn't figured out what they had on everybody else. Uh, no. It was amazing. When uh, Elliot made up and when Elliot made up two laps at Talladega under green, you better believe that car had something special. Not to mention it might have been pushing the boundaries of what's legal. But oh, Elliot yeah. was a superstar in the day. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm still a big fan of him. I know he don't race, but I'm still a big fan of him. Uh but talking about the quarterbacks, I'm like everybody else. I think it's Jalen Milrow's uh, team to lose because he played what? He played a half what a game was against Arkansas and a whole game. Wasn't it? What was that last part you broke? Last year? Yeah. Uh, well, he's got playing time. Yes, he does. You know, Jalen Milrow does. He's got playing time. 
I just, I just think it's his team to lose. Ellis, great call. Check with us later in the yep. week. All right? Appreciate All right. your time. Y'all have a good one. All right. Hey, hey, Matt, can I just tell you real quick? Bill Elliott was one of the most cantankerous, unpleasant people I've ever had to deal with. He could be that way, and then he could turn around and shoot pool with you. Um, but you're, I've been around him when he's been in that mood. But I've also been around him when he made me laugh just crazy uh but he's not alone in that regard as far as drivers are concerned or as far yep. as all professional athletes are yes yes you're uh, correct there there are a few dale murphy's in the world but not many hey uh speeds is next put him in the hall of fame sport. right yeah. oh he's <laughs> three nine yes yes it's ridiculous he's two-time <laughs> mvp how do you not put him in i don't know uh, we'll ask spiegel Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, muggy afternoon, a mix of sun and clouds, a few isolated storms through early tonight. The high today, 96, the low tonight, 75. The weather tomorrow, not as hot, partly sunny with only a small chance of a shower. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. All right, our next guest, ABC 3340 Sports Director, our good friend Jeff Spiegel. Jeff, we're not going to start off in the normal fashion here. I, I have three questions for you, okay? And they are varied. Have you ever been charged by a moose? Uh, is this the hottest August you can remember in the last 15 to 20 years? And does Dale Murphy belong in the Hall of Fame? There you go. Jeff, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, no. No. And yes. Okay. <laughs> We're a big which, fan of the, non, not, of the non-sequiturs here. <laughs> Uh, which, yeah, which one would you like to expand on first? Well, listen, I lived, I, I, my wife and I lived in Tuscaloosa from 1983 to 1989. The summers there are the most brutally hot I could ever remember. It's There's something about Tuscaloosa. The air doesn't move. It doesn't go anywhere. It, it just stays like right, right there. And, and you walk outside now, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to get into like a climate, you know, controlled debate here or anything like that. But I guarantee you it was just as hot, if not hotter, in that six-year period that we lived there. Tuscaloosa has always been the hottest place I've ever lived. Speaks, I was in summer school in 80 or 81, and the actual temperature, not heat index, hit 100 plus for 10 straight days oh brutal 
except walking to class because you know <laughs> you know what i mean i mean it's not it's shorts and uh halter tops sure so that was, that was sure that, that, that's what you were wearing uh, <laughs> <laughs> only on wednesdays ah uh, hey have we started off in a great way today how are you oh yeah <laughs> really good oh man no dale murphy you know he's never gonna get in uh, but, you know, always been one of my favorite Braves. Maybe, you know, I mean, shoot, next to Hank Aaron, my, my favorite Brave. Uh, I've, I've got, you know, I mean, this is kind of spur of the moment. I, I Coming up with a list would be kind of difficult, but uh, Hank's the first Brave I can remember. Uh, Dale's the most, you know, beloved Brave, you know, probably of all time. Nuxie, Phil Negro, loved him loved him and um but but i need to sit down and really think about it in terms of you know my top 10 all-time favorite braves to those of us who aren't uh don't have a, a huge depth of baseball knowledge what what is the case against dale murphy oh i don't know i mean i think that he um Gosh, you guys enlighten me. How many how many career homers does he have? He had three hundred and ninety eight. And I think if he yeah. had two more dingers, he'd probably be yeah. in because that just seems to kind of be a magic number. And he but played on he some was an I, MVP twice. He played he on was, bad teams. That's probably he played the on some really problem. bad teams. Yeah. That's probably the biggest problem. Uh but but you shouldn't hold that against the guy in terms of his Hall of Fame credentials. I mean, he can only do so much, right? Um yeah. but I I mean, if I had a vote, I would vote him in. But uh, but I am extremely, extremely biased when it comes to that vote. Lars, wasn't he a Sports Illustrated uh, Man of the Year, Player of the Year once? Seems like uh, I, I remember him being on the cover, and uh, you know, it was a nice. Uh, he's smiling, and uh, and and hey, when I was growing up in Nebraska. Uh, we got all the Braves games and Dale Murphy was just an incredible player. And not only that, I later learned that, uh, you know, he's one of the nicest guys alive. And I don't know, Jeff, do you think the fact that if you uh, uh, acquit yourself in an unimpeachable, perfect way off the field, should that count for something in the Hall of Fame, or is it strictly just uh, what you do between the lines? Well, I think if you're going to, um, I think if you're going to, I think I, I think character should be a, should be a big should be a big aspect of it. And and the guy was was so high character. And you know, if if I remember correctly, and maybe I have rose colored glasses when it comes to this. But he was a pretty good outfielder too, wasn't he? Did he win any Gold Gloves? Uh, I bet he did. Uh, here's here's a little known fact about Dale Murphy. As long as we are doing this deep Dale Murphy dive, he, sure. he had when, five five Gold Gloves. Okay, uh, yeah. When he was coming up, he was a catcher, yeah. but he uh, he got the who was the second baseman for the Yankees that suddenly couldn't throw it to first. Um, Steve Sachs was a Dodger that I remember who couldn't throw uh, it first. Yeah. Well, Murphy kept airmailing his throws to second into center field, and he couldn't get over it. Yet here was this guy hitting 300 and hitting dingers every two or three games. So they 
we wanted to keep him somewhere. That's how they literally swapped him, and he ended up in center field. And the rest literally is history. But uh, Dale Murphy was yeah. originally a catcher because he had an outstanding arm. <laughs> Accuracy was a little bit <laughs> difficult for him behind the plate. But yeah, gee whiz, yeah. I never thought we'd be talking to you about Dale Murphy and, and Heat this long. We hadn't even talked about Alabama football yet. Did you gather anything yeah, over well. the weekend? You know, I, I gather that no one knows, you know, who's leading the quarterback race because I've seen like several different, you know, uh, uh, opinions. I know the message boards, I think, had Milrow, you know, kind of separating himself from the other two and that uh, and that Buckner was, you know, kind of played himself out of the picture. But I, you know, I, look, when people, when people don't know stuff, they tend to make up stuff. And uh, and so I'm kind of sitting back and just waiting uh, for the cake to come out of the oven. Yeah, uh, I think we all are too. To continue that <laughs> metaphor, I, I saw what you did there. I like it. Um, any other takeaways you're hearing, uh, either just offensive, defensive? Any 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 players that you heard that that stood out on Saturday in the scrimmage, which none of us saw. Yeah, well, I mean, I think just listening to uh, to Saban speak a Saturday, I mean, uh, you know, an Alabama fan should be concerned when he talks about, you know, they're they're lacking depth on the offensive and defensive lines because uh, and and they're looking, you know, for depth there. I mean, it, it really it really doesn't matter like how good the quarterback is. It really doesn't matter how good the running backs are. It really doesn't matter how good the receivers are. If you're not good up front on both sides of a line of scrimmage, then a lot of that talent is going to go to waste. And uh, But again, Saban added at the end, you know, we made a lot of mistakes, but that's why you have 20-odd practices, you know, before the first game, so you can clean all that stuff up. I feel confident they'll clean all that stuff up. I feel confident they've got a lot of great players, you know, on that team that are just, you know, itching to get out there and play. And uh, so I feel like they'll come up with answers for, you know, all the questions that they have. Uh, but, but you know, I'll, I'll go back, you know, to the point that I made before is that uh, I think it's all going to come down to how well the quarterback plays. Uh, how right do they get that? And if, they, and if they do and they've got a history of getting it right in the last several years, uh, you know, they'll be okay. And yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. And do you get the sense on offense that, uh, and we've been talking about this a lot, um, that the, the, the philosophy is going to shift a little bit? That uh, I think uh, as long as the starting five stay healthy on the offensive line, that uh, this is going to be more of a, uh, a run first, almost pass second offense. And it may bear more similarities to when Jalen Hurts was quarterback uh, as opposed to uh, uh, Tua or Mack or, uh, of course, the Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young. Um, are, are you sensing that there is going to be a, a noticeable shift in uh, philosophy on that side of the ball? I do. And, and when I say that, you know, look, Derrick Henry's not walking through that door. But, but they've got some really, really good running backs, you know, with McClellan and Roy Dell, who we followed at Hueytown High. And then Justice, you know, Justice Haynes is a guy that people are going to know about by the time the year's over. 
And so, you know, the offensive line, if it's as, if it's as good as, you know, we've heard it's going to be, uh, they're, I mean, they're going to be good. They're going to be good in the running game. Uh, but you know, they're, um, it's, they're not going to be able to, you know, to run it every snap. I mean, they're going to be have to hit some shots downfield. And so they're going to need a guy who can, uh, who can also do that. And, and also, you know, um, receiver, you know, is a big concern. They, they need, they need some guys who are very productive more than just Brooks. And, you know, they, they need those young guys to step up and, and, uh, and contribute in that department as well. I hear good things about the junior college transfer, and we'll talk about him yeah. and more Alabama football, and uh, we'll go to the other side of the state as well, talk about Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers, and, you know, they've got a quarterback situation, too, that needs to be answered in the next couple of weeks. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Jeff Spiegel will continue to be with us. He is the sports director of ABC 3340, and we will be right back. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of r Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to r and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Wow, we've only got a quarter to go. Big Noon Sports Justin Jones is at the helm, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and our guest is ABC 33 Sports Director Jeff Spiegel. Uh, Malik Benson, I hadn't seen much of him, but I, I sure do hear a lot about him, Jeff. And um, when you look at the first three that they're going to bring out of the gate, it's Burton Brooks, and I love Kobe Prentice. He played just down the street from your studio, didn't he? Right, absolutely, yeah. Played at, uh, played at Clara High for sure. Yeah, he's really good, and, and he certainly made a lot of catches, you know, in the uh, in the Sugar Bowl and that uh, win over Kansas State. So yeah, he, he's a guy that's, uh, that they're going to be counting on, and and Burton is a guy who I think you know you you ask uh, you know you poll Alabama fans last year, and and most people would say that he underachieved last year. They were expecting bigger things, you know, coming out of Georgia, um, and but you know so and and just listening to him speak the other day, he sounds like he's got. You know, he sounds like he's got his priorities in the right order. You know, he's there to, you know, to win the national championship ring. And he's going to do whatever it takes, you know, to to do that. Now, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys were saying that in August. You know, see what they're saying in October, you know. But if uh, but if he can keep that same buy-in, you know, the entire season, and, and that's infectious. 
you know, when you've got a guy like that who, uh, who has already achieved, you know, some sort of success at the Southeastern Conference, yet, you know, he's willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, give himself up for the team and make sure that they get to where they want to go. Uh, that's a pretty cool thing. Jeff, the AP poll was released this morning, and uh, it uh, reflects largely what the uh, coaches' poll is, and that's Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3, Alabama 4, and LSU 5. In, in your mind, do you think it's sort of these top four, again, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and then there's a little bit of a drop with everyone else? Yeah, I think there's probably well, there's some unknown look when it, you know when it comes to when it comes to Alabama, when it comes to to Ohio State. I mean, you know, I, I, we isn't Michigan in, in, in kind of a mess here with with all yeah. this distraction over Jim Harbaugh and everything. I mean, and uh, and even Georgia, you know, is breaking in, you know, a new quarterback, and you know, let's not underestimate, you know, the importance of making sure that you know they get that right. You know that Beck doesn't come out and struggle, but I mean Georgia's uh, Georgia's the no-brainer pick. You know for number one, the two-time defending champs. First time they've been preseason number one since 2008, uh, by the way, and the first time Alabama hasn't gotten a first-place vote in the preseason AP poll since 2015. So that goes back a ways too, and we all know what happened in 2015. Yeah. Um. Hey, let's jump across the state. Um, you guys cover them equally at ABC 3340. Um, what's your read on the quarterback situations down on the plane? Well, Hugh Freeze said Saturday that, you know, Friday he was ready to make a decision on who the starting quarterback was going to be. And then Saturday's scrimmage, you know, Robbie Ashford just won't go away. I mean, uh, he keeps making plays in practice. He's been working with the first, second, and third teams. So I think they're giving Robbie Ashford every opportunity, you know, to, to try to win this job. I think when Freeze said he had his mind made up, I feel confident, you know, he was ready to pick Peyton Thorne. But I think Robbie Ashford showed him something in the scrimmage. I think he showed him something that, uh, that, that his arm you know, has improved, and he's always been able to use his legs. But that Ashford is, you know, is still a factor here. So it's still too early for Hugh Freeze, you know, to uh, to just go ahead and make the decision and and name a starter. I think he wants to give it uh, give it a few more days and and see if Ashford is um, a a guy who he can legitim- legitimately make the number one pick. Jeff, tomorrow is the uh, deadline day for Florida State to tell the ACC whether or not they are going to leave the conference within a year. And um, if they choose to do that, and and we don't know, but tomorrow is going to be really interesting uh, day in the uh, the longer story of conference uh, realignment. Do you think there's a chance that the Big Ten is going after? Florida State really hard and also just love your thoughts on Greg Sankey you know coming out and saying hey we're good where we are we we don't need to uh, have a counter move to the Big Ten bringing in Oregon and Washington well I've always thought you know Greg was the smartest man in the room you know in just yeah. about 
you know, any room you walk into. So he's, he's got, uh, you know, he's got a plan as to where he wants to take this and who he wants to add and all of that. And, uh, he'd be a great poker player too, because he's not going to tell you what he's thinking, right? And, uh, but, but he's got a plan as far as the future of the Southeastern Conference and where Florida State's going to wind up. I don't know, but, I, but I do know the ACC has been, you know, very, very quiet, you know, through all this, you know, realignment stuff. And, uh, and they're just, they're just getting left out in the cold, you know, and all this. And Florida State was the one, the one who came out and was really bold about, hey, we're, you know, we're getting out of here. But, but since then, it's been like, silence so there's not been a lot of movement from the ACC which uh, which is really surprising did you like what Sankey said last week about playing across four time zones I mean, he's, he, he was yeah. he was throwing a little bit of a jab and he no, he normally doesn't do that sure sure yeah well I mean he, he, he's been known to do that in the past you know I think I think he likes where the Southeastern Conference is sitting. I think he likes being the, you know, the big dog. And, uh, and every now and then, you know, he likes to, he likes to bark a little bit. And, uh, and I'm totally cool with that. Me too. Who, who would you like to see if the SEC expands, who would you like, and, and say that there's two teams that they would take, who would you like to see the SEC bring into the fold? Well, I, you know, you, you would you would think, you know, my first response would be let's bring in Clemson and FSU, you know, to make it like a, you know, to bring you know two more, you know, name football programs in. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go with the Virginia North Carolina, and and just you know in, increase the uh, uh, the basketball Q rating, you know, a little bit, you know, and and also that would get the SEC into markets that they're they're not in currently. You know, and that would be definitely a plus, you know, for the league uh, when they're looking at that. So, you know, uh, that, those would be my choices. But um, certainly Clemson and Florida State from a football aspect are sexier. But Virginia and North Carolina from a basketball aspect are, you know, very, very sexy. Yeah. Can you imagine North Carolina playing Kentucky twice a year during a regular season? <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, right. That's, that's deep stuff right there. Lars, who would you – we're asking everybody. Let me ask you. Who would be your first two out of the hat? I'm a Jeff. Uh, well, I, I, Florida State, North Carolina – excuse me, Florida State, Clemson, just on the football side, looked the best. But I think uh, Florida State, North Carolina – uh, would make the most sense. I, I'm not sure if Clemson is ready to abandon the ACC, given the fact that uh, they have had so much success getting to the national, uh, getting to the college football playoffs in that conference, right? Like in, in to the in right now, right? They're they're sitting at number nine, I think, in both polls, and yeah. uh, I think they're uh, Jeff. I think Clemson is a very overlooked team right now because the formula for how they get to the playoffs still exists. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that there, there are two teams like in the last 11 years who have been, you know, far away, you know, better year in and year out. And that's Alabama, who I think has won 151 games in that stretch. And Clemson's won 142. So, uh, you know, Nick and Dabo have just been 
getting it done. And, uh, you know, Debo loves the league he's in. You know, he gets to dominate it, you know, pretty Who much would? every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Clemson's a strong brand. They've, and Dabo's turned it into a strong brand. And he wants to protect that brand. You know, from a basketball standpoint, I'm, I'm going to go out to the Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-4 now. But, man, the basketball... Basketball has changed greatly. Look at look at what the Big Ten's going to bring to the court. Uh, just, I mean, UCLA should be playing on the West Coast against those teams and not going to Minnesota. That's just my opinion, Jeff. That's yeah. old school. That's an old man talking. Sure. Yeah. Well, the basketball, yeah, the, the travel budgets are just going to be through the roof here. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I mean, you hear several theories, like they're going to go to super conferences and then just kind of break away and football does their thing and then the other sports do their thing um uh you know chip kelly came up with an idea that would make it more of a geographically you know sane model um so i i don't know i I don't know who's going to make you know the final decision as to how this is all going to work out but but the plus here is that when you have all these no super conferences and that I mean you should get really good football every Saturday I mean you really should that, that, that like I said the travel budgets are going to be crazy but the, but the matchups that you see week in and week out should be really incredible uh, Jeff switching gears to the NFL um, this past weekend we saw rookie quarterbacks drafted in the first round really struggle uh, CJ Stroud uh, not great uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, not even close to being great. <laughs> I mean, it was really tough sledding for him. And uh, Bryce Young uh, is under pressure, but I-, I thought he showed great poise. Um, two questions. One, just your thoughts on, on Bryce's uh, preseason debut. And two, do you put much stock in what you see the uh, first time a quarterback steps onto an NFL field? No, I really don't. I mean, the first games of the preseason, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to feel each other out. This is the first time they've really been, uh, you know, in, in a football game that really counts, you know, working with each other. Uh, they, they've, they've got to kind of, you know, get the chemistry going and everything, and it's just not there. And as much as they've been raving about Bryce Young and how good he's been, you know, during preseason, I mean, it's, it's been practice. But when the lights come on and then, you know, other guys are trying to get to their quarterback. I mean, the offensive line, you know, just kind of let Bryce down. Richardson, while he threw an incredibly terrible pass on that pick, he did wind up making some, you know, pretty decent plays, I think. So, yeah, you can, you can really overreact, you know, to these first, uh, NFL preseason, uh, games. Uh, you know, I don't know. Speaking of overreaction, I mean, Robert Griffin III is picking the Ravens to win the Super Bowl because the Ravens have won 24 preseason games in a row. That's an NFL record I didn't even know about until yesterday. But, uh, but that's pretty phenomenal. I know. Nobody cares, I guess. But, I mean, to me, a streak is a streak, you know. But uh, I it just that's we kind of tossed that about that on the zone yesterday and uh, you know, whether that was a big deal or no deal. And the majority of us said, yeah, 
24 is a nice number, but it's preseason. It's not that big a deal. Lars, you're Mr. NFL. Did you know they'd won 24 straight? I actually did. Yes. Uh, and it, that, that's not a no, but I, that, it can't be. A, I haven't done like a deep dive into it, but there's got to be a reason. Like they must be playing their starters. Like I know, for, uh, for example, the Bengals, they sat 21 of their 22 starters. They weren't even in uniform. But uh, hey, Jeff, before we let you go, we were talking about Alaska earlier, and Alaska. Uh, where our producer, Justin, uh, grew up. It is uh, number one on my bucket list of places to go that I have not yet been. What is your number one place to go where you've, you have not visited yet in the world? Oh, number one place where I've, I've not been yet. Probably, uh, probably London. I'd love to go to London. I want to go to Wimbledon, to be, to, be, to be particular. I want to go to Wimbledon. There's a place down there in the Piccadilly Circus called Slap Harry's. You need to go there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. Not to name drop, but I walked in there with Staver, and everybody knew who he was. That's crazy. (laughs) It was great stuff. One of them was a Pittsburgh fan. Um, Hey, Speaks, thanks. Uh, Appreciate all your time. You can watch him tonight and weeknights, and then uh, The Zone airs what time on Sunday nights? Sunday at 1035 uh, on ABC 3340. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Lars, there's something happening in Ireland that is quite overwhelming. And that was a horrible bro. I don't think you've seen this either. I just ran across it this morning. But uh, it's, it's something that you and I will be very sad about. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Finding great. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, muggy afternoon, a mix of sun and clouds, a few isolated storms through early tonight. The high today, 96, the low tonight, 75. The weather tomorrow, not as hot, partly sunny with only a small chance of a shower. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. James Mann just told us that uh, it's not going to be as hot tomorrow. It's, gonna, it's just going to be 89. Okay. Um, believe believe me, I can tell the difference between 89 and 99, but uh, it both, it, <laughs> both are hot. All right. I saw this story this morning, and... Uh, if you are one that likes to have a, a pint of Guinness in Ireland, tough times. The prices continue to rise at all those wonderful little pubs in Ireland to the point where some of the pub owners are saying, we're going to have to close. Lars, yeah. that's startling news. I mean, you know, Irish like to sit around and do their... Uh, uh, what's the boilermakers, car bombs? That's not very uh, politically correct, but um, they, well, they love think, to sit around in the afternoon and have three or four and then walk well, home because you'd have to walk if you're going to drink that really big, thick stuff. But yeah, that's a problem. But, but it's also, you know, the, the pubs in uh, England, Scotland, and Ireland are much more than just places where you go to get a drink. It is part of the fabric of society. It's where people gather to exchange all sorts of different information, socially, uh, business-wise, and it's a, it's a, gosh, I don't know what the equivalent would be in the United States, but it's almost like a, a, a it's a, a social club as much as a uh, establishment where you go to have a, a pint or or a, a cocktail and you know having lived over in scotland for uh six months like it, it's just that's where it's where everybody gathers and that's really uh it's sad it's sad to hear that hey, hey by the way have you ever had a guinness where the bartender is so skilled that they can put a shamrock on the top when they are pouring it i don't know if I've ever seen them put anything on the top of it, but I know no, it's like it's it's, it's it's as they it's as it's it's, it's yeah. in the foam, yeah, right, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. No, I, but I, I remember a, watching them pour in Germany and how skill. I mean, it would take I don't know three or four minutes to just pour you a beer. A, it was uh, really thick, uh, uh, a lot more so than anything we have in the United States. But uh, no, I never saw a shamrock. I guess you did, and you've had good luck ever since. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I have seen it many times. And and what, what's also cool about the pubs over there is, uh, it, you know, everybody is just uh, sort of at the bar. And the bars are so long, and they're almost like uh, they're not necessarily circular, but it's just that old wood and... Uh, gosh, it's just uh, 
it's 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 wonderful. It is so different than any pub experience in the United States, and that's why in the United States we don't really call them pubs; we call them bars. In, in pubs, it's uh, it's just uh, totally different. But hey, Matt, I wanted to ask you the same question. I just asked Jeff. What what is your uh, place in the world? One place that you really want to go that you've never traveled to? Italy. I want to drink that wonderful red Italian wine and eat pasta. Just, uh, and you know how they, they, they have the cities that, that just build up the side of a mountain? Yes. Just sit there with Karen and drink wine and eat pasta, then go to bed, then drink wine and eat pasta. <laughs> just sit and, you know, walk the streets, mm-hmm. shop. Uh, that's mine. What's yours? Oh, you said Alaska. Yeah, I'd love to go to Alaska. Uh, Justin, if you were my tour guide in Alaska, since you grew up there, where would you recommend that I first go? And and, and also, so many American or so many of us in the United States in the contiguous forty-eight. Uh, people take uh, um, uh, uh, ships up there, right? They go on cruises. Yeah, cruises. Uh, would cruises you recommend a cruise or flying into like Anchorage and doing your own thing? You, I would fly into Anchorage. Or you know what? This is probably the best, most efficient way to do it is you go to Washington, take a cruise from Washington all the way up to Anchorage. So you can stop at Juneau and all those places along the way and then a, a must do is uh, my I guess my dad's listening he's blowing up my phone with places telling you to go cool. um, Denali National Park Alieska it's a it's a resort there's lots of little shops it's fun and then Seward which is like a coastal town where you can go to see glaciers and do a tour like a a, um, a tour not a tour a, a cruise and go all those places what, what what's your favorite spot in Alaska Probably uh, Den- Denali. There, uh, I remember there was a like truffle, like chocolate truffle place up there that was just <laughs> so good. <laughs> Big That's food awful. guy, so you know the food sticks with me. Probably there. Wow! Did you ever go up to the islands? What do they call the Aleutian Islands? And reach almost to Russia? Because I did not. Um, that's supposed to be brutal. Yeah. Well, it, I'm. I've seen the. Uh, the crab show, you know, uh, deadliest catch, and they don't yeah. paint the prettiest picture of those places. But everywhere else, I've pretty much been Fairbanks, and um, we lived in Palmer, Alaska, for a long time, which is a little more up north of Anchorage. And did you ever come face to face with a bear? Oh yeah, uh, black bears all the time. They uh, they like to hang around the the parks there, like the uh, playgrounds. Um, often though, they just run away. They're usually not very. Uh, keen on on people but yeah it's would you happened. carry like a what is it is it a bear spray or a horn or what what would you do so if, uh, this is something they teach you in elementary school there surprisingly right so if you see a moose charging you you run away and hide behind a tree if you see a bear they tell you to stand straight up and like make yourself big and then in the deepest voice you can to yell at the bear like the bear is gonna be scared of you or something but that's what they tell you to do you know, on the uh, morning of uh, my marriage, uh, went on a hike. We got married in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Went on a hike, and a bear came, like right, went right in front of me, uh, right in front of me and uh, two of my buddies. 
and uh, and just sort of looked at us and then kept going. And I later found out that if you see a bear on your wedding day, it is a sign of great uh, virility to come. And Matt, guess what? At what point? No, no, no. I'm I'm just I'm just saying. Like uh, 18 months later, I have three kids. What's so what if you uh, what if you saw a moose? What does that mean? <laughs> what if you saw a peacock? <laughs> Really? Did you, do you, you remember? Do you do you remember anything uh, that you saw on your wedding day to Karen? Uh, Other than just yeah, pure I happiness. A, I had a. <laughs> our pastor's name was Eric Clumpton, not Clapton. Eric Clumpton, and this is a true story. He was having a little talk before we, you know, we, you know, said our vows. And first thing he said was, Matt, are you and Karen Christians? We said, well, of course. He goes, all right, Matt, is Alabama going to beat Notre Dame in the national championship? <laughs> oh, God. That <laughs> uh, was pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Pretty what, what was yeah. Karen's reaction? She just laughed. I mean, she, you know how Karen <laughs> is. I mean, yeah. Just, hey, uh, good show. A lot of fun. Good way to get the week uh, off to a great start. Uh, Lars, have a great day. We'll talk soon.